Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. And we're into extra time. Kia ora and welcome to Extra Time for 2020. I'm Stephen Hewson. In the first podcast of the year, the gang's all here. Barry Guy, Joe Porter, Clay Wilson and Felicity Reid as we take stock of cricket, super rugby, netball, football and basketball, all of which are underway or about to start. First up is the cricket. Can the Black Caps bounce back from their horror tour of Australia? Well, while New Zealand cricket followers generally keep their feet grounded, the 3-0 Test Series loss in Australia was a bitter pill to swallow. Few were anticipating a series win, but there was an expectation the side would be at least competitive. Unfortunately, that never eventuated, and they're now about to take on the all-powerful India in all three formats of the game, the first of five T20 games in Auckland tonight. So, can the Black Caps resurrect their summer? Clay, if we start with you, you're our cricket reporter, and he's with us now on Skype, Clay Wilson. Clay, what do you make of it all? Well, I guess we're moving into a completely different format and a completely different group of players. Obviously, there's still going to be squad members lingering from that test defeat. And I get the sense from talking to the Black Caps this week and Captain Kane Williamson speaking yesterday that they certainly haven't forgotten about that, uh, that obviously that very disappointing result in Australia in the tests. Um, they're trying to strike a balance, I think, between moving on from that and putting it in the past, but also making sure they're learning the lessons of that tour. Um, it is difficult, I guess, with that different format and with a with a different group, but perhaps that helps as well. We've got a number of players coming in who don't have the scars from that test tour. Um, and then you've still got the, the players around that were involved that are going to be keen to bounce back. And I think no better way to bounce back against another big team. And Kane Williamson also spoke about this yesterday. Um, you know, the best result for them is getting another big team after a result like that. You don't necessarily want a series you can come into and perhaps walk over. They want to come in and try and fix things against a, a good team and make sure they're, they're really challenged to fix those things. So we'll see uh, New Zealand 2020 squad, squad has been reasonably competitive over the last um, couple of years and obviously beat India 2-1 the last time India were here. So we'll see. I think we're going to be in for a competitive series. This Indian side is no doubt very good across all formats. Um, but perhaps we won't um, we won't see the one-sided result we saw in Australia and, and much more competitive in terms of how these three T20s are going to go. Security of home as well is, is a big thing for the Black Caps, isn't it? Yeah, conditions definitely, and, and like you say, the security of the surroundings and being back in front of a home crowd. I think um, we saw uh, the Black Caps players talk about that, about a lot of them not being used to to that, uh, that pressure and that environment in Australia. So back on familiar surroundings where they've had a lot of success at home, obviously, in the last four or five years. So that, that'll definitely be a factor. And, and back on pitches that they're more familiar with, not that pace and bounce that we saw them particularly have to deal with in, in Perth and Melbourne. So that will definitely help. And I think um, we'll probably even the ledger a bit between the two sides. The 3-0 series loss to Australia raised a few, well, plenty of questions, but one of them in particular was Kane Williamson's 
captaincy uh, and captaincy of all three formats. Uh, he didn't deliver with the bats. Was he feeling the pressure of the captaincy, etc.? There's been talk about that again this week, hasn't there? So do you sense that there might be a change in the offing in the wake of that, that review that they are carrying out from that Australian tour that we could see Kane Williamson perhaps in the near future, not captain perhaps the, the T20 side? I don't think we can rule it out, judging from what uh, Kane Williamson was saying yesterday, and he was asked at reasonable length about this, and it has come up again uh, um, in the past, of course, as well. Uh, I think his sentiment is that he wants to do all three, and perhaps he doesn't want to just give up give up one just for the sake of it, just because it's been a, he's had a, a poor performance and the team's had a poor performance. Um, but he also expressed that if it was what the team felt was best or what they felt was best for the team, um, there sounds like there's going to be a proper review of the Australian series. And if it comes out of that, that um, Brian Stronach, I think the high-performance director, has mooted that he could drop one of the one of the formats and obviously the T20 would be the most obvious option there. I also saw it mooted about him perhaps just taking a break at times, still holding on to the captaincy in all three formats, but taking more extended breaks away given how busy the international schedule is and all the commitments that come with being a captain. But I think there's no doubt he would benefit perhaps from from maybe giving away that T20 captaincy. It's just whether he wants to, and maybe if he persists with it, then he can make it successful. He's obviously a, a brilliant player and has a, um, a very, very strong mentally as well. So it's not out of the question that he can make it successful in the long run. I think the uh, black caps have shown in the recent years that how consistent they can be in, in especially the shorter forms of the game. And uh, one thing I'd like to see over the summer is perhaps a couple of the new players that they have tried in recent times perhaps uh, being selected uh, more often, you know, get, getting a, a, a position to, to play most games. I'm interested in the Indian uh, cricketers who, as we've discussed previously, have come to New Zealand and, you know, looked a bit half-hearted, really, and uh, not really interested. I suppose the Test Championship will change that when it comes to mm. Test cricket, for sure. Mm. Uh, the Indians came back from... Uh, uh, getting a thumped in that first one day against Australia and then won the next two uh, just last week. So that shows, even though they were playing on... Did I hear correctly that there was a picture of a whole lot of women with scrubbing brushes seen out on Correct. the wicket, scrubbing a wicket to make sure all the grass had been taken off before they played that third one day or something? So anyway, the condition's going to be a bit different uh, when <laughs> when they come here. But, I mean, in clay or, you know... See, I, 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 I just I just want to see the Indians playing at the best when we see them playing perhaps in other parts of the world, performing to that here. Mm. You know, you know, you used to go along and see Tendulkar play. I want to see Blimmin, Coley, and others scoring the runs that they're meant to, and um, you know, um, and their bowling attack just um, you know going for it and putting the Black Caps under pressure. Yeah, I think we we did see a bit of that last time. I think people might remember we lost that one day series in New Zealand before the World Cup 4-1 um, so I think we have seen them that they've proven they can do well here especially with the improvement of their seam bowlers coming to New Zealand conditions they've now got a, a world class bowling attack and this time they're bringing Jasper Boomer who mm. didn't come last time so that's going to be a big big boost for them I think they've been so consistent over the last couple of years um, they've got too many class players across the formats that there's no doubt that these are going to be com competitive games it's just how much more New Zealand can get into the game and I guess how much the effects of that Australian series series linger but no doubt I think regardless of whether you're a Black Caps fan or not we're all seeing, looking forward to seeing the likes of 
Barat Coley, Rohit Sharma, of course, has been in wonderful form over the last two or three seasons. Um, seeing them do well and seeing the likes of Jasper Bummer, of course, Blake Caps fans want to see New Zealand win, but um, you know, it's nice to see those those star players come to this part of the world. They don't come here a huge amount and really see them at their best and see what they can what they can do best. Are they at full strength, the Black Caps, Kai? Well, they will be with uh, with their with their batting, but of course, with their bowling, Trent Bolt came home from Australia. He's still not available. And Lockie Ferguson came home from Australia with an injury. They're still not around for these uh, these initial three t- T20s. We may get them back um, perhaps during that five-match one-day series. But that's going to be a, an interesting point as well, how they fill the hole at T20 level. Obviously, Lockie Ferguson, with his pace, has become quite a key part. And Trent Bolt is a, a key part of any New Zealand bowling attack across any format. So how they fill those holes um, and how they try and make up for that pace and the quality that obviously Trent Bolden experience he has, that'll be an interesting watch. I saw an interesting stat the other day actually, I can't remember it sort of verbatim but I'll give it a go. Hamish Bennett I believe has been recalled, veteran pace bowler mm. from Wellington into the Black Cap squad someone was looking forward very much to watching him face Virat Kohli, apparently he has Virat Kohli's number mm. Hamish Bennett has bowled around 14 deliveries to Virat Kohli before in international cricket he's got him out twice I believe and has held him, restricted him to about six or seven runs off the rest of those balls. He's, he's had a couple of dot balls, a couple of wickets, and, and a couple of decent overs against old King of the World V-Rat. So let's see how Hamish Bennett goes against the man himself. Oh, that'll be, yeah, that, that'll be a fascinating watch. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Clay. I'm sure, I have, I'm sure Hamish Bennett will probably have a, have a, have a, a few words to say. He's obviously a bit of a, a character, and it sounds like in his latter years he's really enjoying his cricket now. So he'll be I'm sure he'll settle on that if he can continue continue that form against Coley. Well, we'll move on from cricket to rugby. Yep, believe it or not, Super Rugby kicks off next week with the Blues hosting the Chiefs in Auckland. Joe Porter, Joe's our rugby reporter. A year after the World Cup, Joe, it's always a little mm. deflating, perhaps, especially after the All Blacks didn't make that the final one. Um, Thoughts on the season ahead? Is it, is it, it's caught, it's, well, has it got us on the hop? What, 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 are, we, what are we thinking rugby-wise? Yeah, I think you're right. I think there always is a bit of a lull after the World Cup because, of course, the next one's not for another four years. There tends to be uh, a sort of, I guess, a little bit of over-saturation of rugby by this time. And, of course, it's the earliest Super Rugby season start we've had, <laughs> kicking off in January, the earliest ever, 31st next Friday. So certainly there's a bit of a hangover from the World Cup, although there's a, there's a bit of intrigue surrounding the Super Rugby season because, of course, they've got a new All Blacks coach. A bunch of departed All Blacks have left after the World Cup, so there's a few spaces available within that All Blacks sort of squad, so you'd expect some fresh talent to emerge this competition. You've got some new coaches, some coaches with things to prove. Scott Robertson, of course, snubbed for the All Blacks coaching gig. Very, very disappointed. He said he, would, he thought he would have made a difference. He could have brought the new generation of players forward into that All Blacks team, so he was bitterly disappointed and perhaps upset at what happened during that process. So he's got a lot to prove, obviously leading the Crusaders to potentially an unprecedented fourth straight title. If he were to do that, it would really send a message to the NZR that perhaps they made the wrong choice. He's got a few challenges this year, of course. The Crusaders are heavy favourites to win again, but they have lost a host of stars. About seven All Blacks all up, including the likes of Kieran Reid, Matt Todd, Owen Franks, um, and several others. But, you know, their, their team is still stacked with All Blacks. You've got Cody Taylor, Joe Moody, Scott Barrett at captain in the Type 5, and you've got an all black, a back line with Richie Mwanga, guys like Braden Enor, who were in the All Blacks environment last year out wide, and, of course, Seve Reese, George Bridge, David Harvey, uh, Ryan Crotty leaves, but you've still got Jack Goodhue. So they've got plenty of talent still there. The Crusaders, of course, favourites to win. The Chiefs 
very interesting. They've got, on paper, perhaps the best squad in Super Rugby. The return of Aaron Cruden. Uh, haven't won a couple, haven't won titles since their back-to-back in round one. Was it 2012-2013? Uh, looking this year supremely confident. Sam Kane and, and Aaron Cruden have both already said that they, there's no reason why they can't win the Super Rugby title. And to hear that kind of confidence from those guys this early on says a lot because they do like to be fairly vague when it comes to their ambitions. Uh, Warren Gatlin takes over as coach, former Wales coach, current coach of the British and Irish Lions. A great record internationally, of course. How will he go as a coach of a Super Rugby team? You'd expect him to do good things. He's a Waikato man. He's back where he wants to be. He obviously has the respect of the players. Aaron Cruden says he's brought quite a fresh uh, coaching sort of uh, approach to the way he's doing it. It's very player-driven under Mm. Coach Ron Gatland, and Aaron Cruden seems to think that that will help the club evolve. Uh, They've got a very settled squad. It's quite young, but they've been together for a few years now. I think they are the Crusaders' biggest challenges for this title. The big things expected from the Chiefs this year, and I think there's a quiet confidence within that squad that they can get it done. The Hurricanes, they're they're interesting. They're going to be... If they don't finish last... In the New Zealand pool, yeah. that's going to be an achievement, isn't it? Yeah. Surely. Yeah, it's a real unknown for the Hurricanes. I mean, the 11th hour departure of coach John Plumtree to the All Blacks left Jason Holland. I was talking to him the other day. He said, usually you'd do your preparation for the next Super Rugby season in September, October. He was left with about a week in December to get it done. So certainly preparation time well crunched there with John Plumtree's departure. They've lost Bowden Barrett, of course, to the Blues, the All Black and, and Star First Five, one of the best players in the country. Replacing him will be no easy feat, and they really have no names to do it. <laughs> Joseph, uh, sorry, Jackson Garden, Bashup and Fletcher Smith, guys that haven't really shone on the Super Rugby stage so far in any of their opportunities. Um, so some big challenges there, of course. They're also with our Adi Savia, the best player in Super Rugby, if not the world, last year. Uh, is out for a big chunk of the season after having knee surgery. So, or was it knee surgery? Knee surgery. So, uh, he's a real talisman for them. They're, they're sort of one injury away in that tight fight. They got a guy like Dane Coles or someone goes down and they're in big trouble. Really big trouble. Uh, you know, Coles and Lamarpe get injured for four weeks at a time. They're in, they're in big issues because they've got some decent guys in the back line with Pettinata there at nine, Lamarpe at 12, Jordy Barrett at 15. Where Susan's not bad on the wing. But who are they going to have running that show at 10? You know, if Jackson, Garden Bashup and, and Fletcher Smith don't stand up, you could find someone like Pitanata or Geordie Barrett playing the whole season there, and that disrupts things further. So the Hurricanes don't know at this point who's playing 10 for them. I think they're going to have, have some struggles this season, that's for sure. I think the Hurricanes and the Highlanders, I sort of bracketed them together because the Highlanders just uh, continue. Every year they lose players, but they still seem to be able to perform. They, you know, obviously the, the, uh, what mm-hmm. they have, the setup down there brings yep. players through. And I think the Hurricanes are a little bit like that also, but, you know, the 10 is, is an issue for them. But in the same way that the Hurricanes lose a lot because of uh, Bowden Barrett shifting, the pressure now, if it hasn't been for the last 10 years, it yeah. goes on the Blues. Yeah. Because, yeah. you know, if they can't win without now Bowden Barrett, the player of the year, uh, running things there, there yeah. is there Absolutely. is something something seriously wrong, isn't there? Yeah. And I think the pressure is going gonna, is gonna to take a toll on them, the Blues also. And I can see yeah. with the pressure off... You know, because the, the Chiefs and the Hurricanes and the Highlanders, I think, you know, they can give the Blues a run for their money this year. Yeah. And I wouldn't be surprised if, if, you know, they win a few games. The other fact is that uh, people said Scott Robertson uh, couldn't become the All Blacks coach because he uh, hadn't sort of tasted defeat or much defeat. Right. Um <laughs> I was sort of thinking as you were running through the uh, side there that, well, you know, maybe the Crusaders will 
taste some defeat, but again, I just don't think they are. No. I no. think, unfortunately, they're going to blim and end up top of the standings in, you know, them and the Chiefs in the no. New Zealand conference. Yeah. And from what you could tell was happening in South Africa, uh, you know, the, the Jaguars are going to be pretty, Hagawaris are going to be pretty good, obviously. Yeah. But they'll be contenders for the title yet again, won't they? I mean, yeah. you know, the more things change in New Zealand rugby, the more they stay the same. Yeah, right? Right. The Blues are under an enormous amount of pressure. Does one man make a team? Probably not, but he should make a significant difference. You would expect him to come into a side that's lacked a, a, you know, a backline general for a number of years now and have had potential and have you know, gone okay there or thereabouts. Has it been, is it going to be their season this year? It never quite was. Well, is it going to be their season this year with Bat? He doesn't come back till mid-April, so they've got to find a first five out of one of their young guys first to cover that role. Uh, <laughs> I think they'll scrape into the playoffs this year, which they haven't done in previous years, but I don't think they'll do much better than that. I don't think that I don't think Bowden Barrett takes them from a tenth or eleventh team to a top four team in a season, but I think they do make the playoffs this year with his contribution and a few other people. They've lost Sonny Bill Williams, they've lost Ma Nonu from the midfield. Um, their forward pack isn't on paper one of the most money. They've got guys if guys like Carl Twenty for Kawafi can get back into some really strong form, that'll help. But if he has a, a season like last season marred by injury and blowing out of his weight and stuff, they could still have issues. If Akira Yuani comes in this year with the right attitude, not overweight at preseason training and wants to be an all black and has the right sort of motivation, that'll make a huge difference. But if he comes in undercooked again, the same sort of stuff will happen. They'll have the same issues. So, yeah, the Blues, they are they're, they're the biggest question mark, aren't they? Can Bowden Barrett make that much of a difference? Has Leon McDonald in the second year done enough to turn around the fortunes of a club who, despite having the biggest talent pool in the country, have had the most underwhelming results in the last decade? You mentioned the Highlanders before. I think they're stuffed this season. I'm sorry, Bazza. Everyone's second favourite team. I hate to write them off because they're, they're a fantastic group of overachievers who win games on grit and character in a team environment that's built around the team and not individuals, right? But they've lost six All Blacks from last year, including Ben Smith, their talisman, Elliot Dixon, Liam Squire, um, several others who I can't me- remember off the top of my head. They've also lost sort of veterans, Marty Banks, Richard Buckman, guys that have been there and done a good job for them in the past and filled those gaps. The replacements are all young guys. They've lost Tyrell Lomax, one of their most promising props to the Hurricanes. They've lost uh, Tavita Lee to one of, one of their, you know, consistent wingers overseas. They've lost a whole lot of these senior guys, replaced them with a bunch of young guys, who several have already had season-ending injuries. I think the Highlanders are really, really going to struggle this year. Josh Iwani at number 10, is is he the goods? I guess that's the biggest question mark there. Do we find out if he is the, the next in line for the All Blacks' first five thrown? But apart from that, I can't see much happening with the Southerners. Um, very sorry, Aaron Major. The Highlanders will be loving you just sitting here riding them off completely. That's exactly <laughs> well, I mean, what they thrive on, isn't it? Uh, probably, yes. And, and they'll probably prove me wrong, as they did last year when I said they'd finish last out of all the New Zealand teams, and they didn't. It was the Blues, again. <laughs> so they'll probably prove me wrong. But I think this year it goes Chiefs and Crusaders up top, battling for that first spot. Whoever wins that conference probably wins the whole thing. Um, and then you've got the Blues scra- The Blues will probably scrape into the playoffs. The Hurricanes may, there or thereabouts. We'll see what happens with them. They are a bunch of unknowns, but they could finish last or they could have a few results go their way and scrape in. We'll see what happens with them at first five. And then I think the Highlanders finish last in the New Zealand Conference, unfortunately. So we'll see how we go there. Felicity, Felicity what, what are your thoughts? When you're talking about Auckland, and you're right that it is going to be a little while until Broden actually comes in, so is it going to be too late? Well, they've already written off their (laughs) season by the time they arrive. That's the key, isn't it? Getting getting off to a good enough start that when he comes in, he doesn't have you know to move heaven and earth to get them into the playoffs. Mm. They've got to win a few games before he gets there, so he's got a bit of a base to work with when when he finally gets on deck. 
Yeah. Just a quick one with the Chiefs to uh, yeah. Damien McKenzie. Yes. From his injury, how he comes back yeah. too, he'll be key for the Chiefs. And to he's going to be back him. at fullback, so it looks like mm. that sort of dual playmaker role of his in the All Blacks experiment may be over because Gats mm. is going to start him at fullback with Cruden at first five. That's probably his more natural position, mm. so he'll be happy to be back there, a bit of a license to roam, and mm. God, he'll be just itching to get back out on the field. And, you know, in hindsight, probably not the end of the world from that. He missed the World Cup, but at the time he would have been absolutely gutted, so he'll be keen for a big season. And so with the recent run in years, the last 10 years for the Blues or whatever it is, are they now pushing to become everyone's second team now ahead of the Highlanders? No, they'll never be anyone's second team. (laughs) No, everyone, I mean... It's the Crusaders is everyone's most hated team because of the success they've had, but really it should be Auckland. When they first started, you know, no one liked Auckland winning. When Auckland wins, it's good for New Zealand rugby. Yeah, right. No, no one wants Auckland to be their second team. I think people take sort of quiet, a bit of quiet revelation or, very, you know, happiness in Auckland's lack of success over the last little while, the Blues' lack of success. But I'd be quite happy to see them come back into the fold because... They've really been disappointing for so long. Yeah, the All Blacks lost the World Cup last year. Come on, the Blues, we need you. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> well, yeah, okay, I think we'll, we'll wind it up there. One interesting pre-season talking point, though, has been the return of former All Black flanker Adam Thompson. Thompson's been called into the Chiefs squad as a temporary injury cover, but it could become more permanent. At 37, his return is all the more remarkable after a two-month stay in hospital in Japan with a spinal infection in 2017. Lying in a hospital bed in Japan, Thompson promised himself one thing, that he was going to return to the rugby field, and he spoke to Felicity Reid about that. The setback I had with uh, the spine infection kind of knocked me around quite a bit at, um, you know, in a season in Japan, and I kind of made my, made my mind up quite early that that wasn't going to be the end of my, my football career, that I was you know, going to fight hard and, and get back on the field and, and finish on my own terms, and... I guess the ball's kind of rolling from there. I came back and played some club rugby and, and was lucky enough to get picked up by the Otago team for my to 10 and now I've been called into the Chiefs. So it's been a bit of a whirlwind and um, you know, I'm kind of just rolling with it, but it's a, it's a lot of fun and the challenges are there and I've got my love for footy back again, so um, it's all good. And what are your goals now that you're back? Um, the goal is just to, just to relish the moment. I think... Um, you know, I, I think when you're a, a young rugby player, you kind of can lose sight of, of what you're doing because your focus is um, kind of on the next step and, and trying to, you know, get up the ranks and make the next team and go to the next level. And for me, having achieved that and, and to have rugby taken away from me, I guess, and come back into the arena, I think it's more about just um, just relishing the second the, the second chance and and enjoying it for what it is. And then that's um, you know, that's me finding my passion for footy again, no matter what the level is. It's it's just contributing and enjoying the challenge and being successful and watching uh, other people come through and stamp their marks. So, um, yeah, for me, it's, it's just been a blessing to be back at it again and uh, however long it lasts, I'll, I'll keep doing it. And has it been hard to come back into rugby? Yeah, I mean, it was a big break for me. I think it was a year and a half before I returned to rugby. So that was the biggest break I'd ever had. But um, in saying that, uh, you know, I spent a really long time rehabbing my injury and, and getting fit again and, and hindsight, that probably gave me, um, you know, a new lease on life, having the, the chance to regain strength and to get over old niggles and um, and to freshen up and, and, like I said, find that passion for rugby again, which uh, you can lose after back-to-back seasons for so long. So when I stepped back into the arena, you know, I was ready and um, and, and I was nervous and, you know, I felt like a, a kid again uh, making my debut, but those were all, um, all wonderful feelings and, uh, you know, a really really enjoyed that um, that challenge of, of getting back on the footy field after um, such a long break. 
And now that you're sort of back playing, do you look beyond the playing days again and do you ever really consider coaching or something like that? Yeah, I think, um, you know, the, the older you get in rugby and then the more experience you have, the more connection you have to the coaching staff and um, you know, the more you can contribute. So I definitely see that as my role now and, and the teams that I'm in. Um, you know, using my experience to uh, to mentor um, you know younger players where I can and, and to connect with the coaches and, and offer opinions and kind of um, you know my, my role might not be so much on the field it can um, be in the background and in terms of support and uh, and training and those sort of things so wherever I'm needed I'm kind of putting my hand up and, and taking sort of any opportunity I get. And that was Adam Thompson talking to Felicity Reid. Uh, netball, we move on to the Silver Ferns, impressive at the Nations Cup in England, they've kicked on from the World Cup. Felicity, um, what, what have you, you must have been quite impressed with, with the way uh, Dame Nolene Todoro has um, kept that side going. Yeah, following on from last year's World Cup, a number of countries are in a bit of a rebuilding phase, but for the Silver Ferns it's been quite a seamless transition. Um, with the retirement of Maria Falau and with Casey Kopor as well, I mean, it's allowed other players to step up and accept the challenge of going for those vacant spots and exposing the next layer of talent. And Maya Wilson was stuck behind Falau for a couple of years, but she's proving that she's ready to shoulder the shooting responsibility and with two games, very high shooting percentage. Yeah, she's been impressive, hasn't she? I, mean, mm. I know she didn't make that World Cup squad, did she? But oh, fitness, and missed the Commonwealth Games too. Fitness mm, issues yeah. seem to be the thing that uh, Nolan Tarua uh, was holding against her. She may seem to have um, sorted those out. And, and like Felicity said there, I mean, that, the shooting stats the, the other day... Um, and when when they beat uh, Jamaica, Jamaica well, forty-two England, from forty-five. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yep. that was uh, impressive. She said afterwards that she had sort of galvanised somewhat from missing those two major tournaments, mm-hmm. and that uh, she obviously knew or had been told that you know you're there or thereabouts, but it's just not now, sort of thing. And and fortunately for New Zealand, it appears that she's. She's stuck to you know uh, what she knows best and wants to achieve, and has come through. And now, and she also said she's given now been given the opportunity, and she doesn't want to miss out on it. Felicity, that you know it's here. She's got to take it, and mm-hmm. um, you know she possibly wasn't being looked at as the one of the starters in the shooting circle, but she'd be there now, wouldn't she? Oh, definitely. And she's striking up quite a good relationship with new captain Amelia Ran Canasio in the circle. A few years ago, they played together at club level in the, the domestic competition, but now they've been given the chance to do it for New Zealand. And Bailey Mez will be a little bit upset that she's got a bit of a knee injury and has had to sit on the sidelines and watch that last game because those two together really does give Nolene something to think about. Surprising, I suppose. England haven't seemingly been that much chop at this tournament, beaten quite convincingly in that first game by the Silver Ferns. I think they snuck home against South Africa. I think it still shapes, though, as the final being New Zealand, England. Uh, I think, what, the Silver Ferns got South Africa? Yes. yes. And then final Monday. That's yes. right. I think England, they've got a new coach and they're missing a few players too, aren't they? So, uh, mm. you know, um, a few of those English players that were in Australia, playing in Australia, I think they're being rested. And uh, the woman, Neville. Is Tracy no longer, Neville. Yes, yep. Yeah. So there's a new coach there. So I think they're definitely going through a bit of a transition as well. So... Um, Another yeah. team, though, Barry, that's doing pretty well, the Phoenix. What's what's a resurrection yeah. there? What's what's going on? I mean, well, yeah, poor start, a shocking start so, this season, or, or should I say, a consistent <laughs> start for yeah. the rest of the season, and then followed by a real run of good results. I 
I'm wondering why, and I think last year Mark Rudan, who um, wasn't everyone's cup of tea, he did obviously instil something in the the Phoenix that we're not just here to make up the numbers and that mm. we can win. Uh, and he he got a good group of people uh, last year, of course, then he buggered off and took, took a lot of people with him. Um, but uh, Ulfuk Tale, who, ca- who was the assistant coach at Sydney FC, who consistently, they're a powerhouse in Australia and obviously knows how to run a football team, has come in and he again has also said, this is how we're going to do it my way. And he's obviously got some, picked up some key guys. A, a number of them seem to have been what you might call middle-of-the-road players in, for Australian teams and perhaps not getting the chance. But they're getting the chance here, and they are excelling. Obviously, the Mexican Ulysses Davia is making a huge difference. He was brought in to uh, uh, replace um, the Fijian who's gone off Krishna. to and then, yep, Roy Krishna has gone off to, Roy, to yeah, Krishna, India. Yep. And um, he's made a lot of difference, not just scoring the goals, but setting up the goals also. So I think it is... It is um, a, a good leadership from the coach, and also he has pretty much played the same guys, well, consistently played the same guys, uh, and they are performing well, gelling well as a team. And, you know, I saw them play the top team, Sydney, and Sydney didn't look a, a lot. They didn't look any better than the Phoenix, and the Phoenix scored a couple of great goals against them, and the Phoenix should have won that. They've, you know, gone on a nine-game unbeaten run. They got beaten by Brisbane last weekend. They play the bottom team, Newcastle, this weekend, and there is no reason... Well, the only reason, I think, if something will slip up is a couple of key injuries. Uh, you know, like if a Stephen Taylor or a De Vere, as I said, mm. if they get some injuries to those key players, then things might change, but yeah, well, the Phoenix oh. the Phoenix setup's going to have to rethink their uh, whole business model. I well, think, I mean, it's quite, what's yeah. been impressive, I think, is you've bought he's brought together these collective a bunch of individuals, and they've sort of hit the ground running obviously yeah. after a bit of a, a, a dodgy start. But they seem to have, I mean, so the whole sort of I don't know team building thing, whatever it's. Mm. You know, yeah. some, something's happened there. Yeah. yeah, Stephen Taylor, I think, has a part to yeah, do with absolutely. that. The ex-Newcastle guy. Yeah. You know, it's all about the team sort of thing. And so, and yeah. they're also playing a brand of football they seem to enjoy. It's really, mm. um, you know, attractive, mm. attacking-based. It's not parking the bus. It's not mm. being defensive. Yeah, but they, they've also been able to keep playing it. I mean, yeah. they've tried. I know they've talked about playing, you know, possession football mm. and keeping it, you know, going but forward. But they do it. And... I think what I've noticed in the games I've watched is the amount of running that they do keep on going. It doesn't tracking back, track going up. I mean, it seems that yeah. Messi seems to have got forward. I mean, I don't know why it wasn't happening, or whether simply the players weren't there to have the skill to do it. But they, their possession-based game does. They seem to be able to implement I, I, that game plan now. Yeah, I tell you what I think is part of the reason is that we saw Mark Rudin start to bring this in, and Phoenix fans were crying out for a long time to see some young New Zealand players and the talent coming through the academy to be injected into that team, not just buying ragtag overseas players. We've seen those young players, New Zealand players, given a chance. We've obviously seen Sarpreet Singh go on to do great things, and now we've got the likes of Callum McCow at Ben Wayne, obviously Liberato Kakache, um, Cameron Devlin. These players all been given great time in the first team and really being um, given the confidence by Ufuk Tale and they're really repaying that and they can bring that energy they bring that fitness they, they're lively they want to um, hold on to the ball they want to attack um, and Stephen Taylor and the other experienced guys have sort of embraced that and that's what I really noticed is how well it's worked bringing giving these young New Zealand players a chance and people love that the fans can more uh, Kiwi fans can embrace the team a bit more now 
they see that New Zealand presence, uh, names they know, young kids they've, they've seen coming through, and they can really get them behind the team. So, um, I mean, that can only be positive, not only, for, not only for the Phoenix, but for New Zealand and potentially the All-Whites as well. Ulfuktale was this week asked about Marco Rojas, the All-White, who's now gone back to Melbourne. Why didn't he try and get him at the Phoenix? And he more or less just said he didn't think he fitted in. Now, another team that's on the rise. Actually, Clay, do you need to shoot if you want to shoot? Um, yep, okay. I will do. Yeah, okay. Okay. Talk to you a bit later. Well do. Cheers, guys. Cheers. See you, mate. Yep. Now, another team that's on the rise, the Breakers, after, well, I think they possibly matched the Phoenix, or even worse than the Phoenix, weren't they, uh, <laughs> when it came to a horror start of the season. Felicity, they've, they've turned things around. Uh, we, we, yeah, what, what do you put that down to? Well, I think it's been a combination of factors, but um, some things do stand out. When Corey Webster left for China, coach Dan Shamir was very clear at the time that Webster was his best player and he didn't want to let him go, but it was a business decision for the club with all the money they'll get from the Chinese club that Webster's gone to. And it was considered to be a win-win deal for the Breakers and Webster, but I don't think Shamir realised just how much of a win it would be for the club. Mm-hmm. It's turned into being a bit of a turning point. Um, in Port, Scotty Hobson has shouldered a lot of the load in minutes and point scoring since Webster's departure. And Hobson says that the team now understands their roles a bit better, suggesting that there is better cohesion on the floor without Webster in the mix. Mm-hmm. And Shamir, early in the season, was also a big fan of Finn Delaney, but Delaney was injured for a chunk of the season, and now we're only really starting to see him live up to that billing as well. Yeah, they have had quite a few injury woes, haven't they? And they were big names too. Yeah, and I think they've been through several players, and now they've kind of settled on a starting five that they can probably get a lot from as Mm. well. And I think another factor is the young American RJ Hampton. He's been injured and is, is was on limited minutes, and... Last week at practice, he was telling the American film crew who were following him around ahead of the NBA draft that he was counting down the days until he could get back to the States. And that's not the first time that he's expressed that with the American media. And I don't think he's necessarily shown that disinterested attitude on court, but it's interesting that without him being a focal point, the breakers have been having some success. Yeah, yeah. Um, Can you see them scraping into the the playoffs? Do you think they're going to make it? Ooh, a lot of things outside of them would have to go their way. I mean, they came up against a Melbourne United side last week. They were in fourth, and Melbourne United have their own problems on and off the court, and they're struggling a bit with unity. But I think a lot of things would have to really go in their favour, and they would have to keep playing to their best ability, I guess, as well, in order to actually scrape in. Well, plenty to keep our eye on sports-wise over the next few weeks. Barry Guy, Joe Porter, Felicity Reid... Clay Wilson, thank you very much for your time and that brings us to the end of Extra Time for another week and for the first of 2020. On behalf of the Extra Time team, I'm Stephen Hewson. Bye for now. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.